you want from life and what are you willing to sacrifice? Because too many people, they just think, oh, I just get rich quick. I just make money. Like, no, buying that buying that crackhead condo was not easy. Doing the- Welcome to the Land Life Podcast with your host, PJ Riley. Hey guys, welcome to the Land Life Podcast. Guys, before we get started, don't forget, like, subscribe, leave comments, all that good stuff. Guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut to the quick because we got a guest today that has um, a lot to talk about. He does a lot of different things. Um, crypto, real estate, a dragon fruit orchard, if you can believe it. Um, tons of different uh, opportunities and, and, and entrepreneurial endeavors this guy's doing. So, uh, uh, Lucas Thomas, um, why don't you kind of let everybody know who you are? Give us like a Cliff Notes version of kind of how you got started, and then we'll kind of work into the actual uh, different uh, things like real estate and crypto. Okay, perfect. Um, so my name is Lucas Thomas. I'm a financial planner with RHM Real. That's Right Hand Man Real. Um, my, my, me and my company, what we do is um, I do exactly what uh, our guest here, PJ, said. I, uh, I'm in many different ventures. And um, pretty much we go from, I can do farms, uh, real estate, commercial, pretty much anything under the sun, because I have a certain formula and system that I use. Uh, and the way I got started was because it's actually quite fun. The way I got started is actually how I ended up branching into so many different fields is I was actually a copywriter in college. So mm. in college, I got out of the army. So if if you ever do a job that makes you not want to have a boss again, I, I highly advise joining the military. And then as soon as you join the military, you're like, nope, nope, never have a boss again. I am fine. And then my entire college career was being dedicated, ironically enough, to never having to have a real job again. So I ended up, and the thing with being a, a salesperson is I just need something to sell. So what I did was I just Googled copywriter because I'm really good at writing. So I Googled copywriter. I bought a book called copywriters. I can't remember, but it was like how to become a copywriter in six easy steps. I bought the book, read the book. Next day I Googled how much do the copywriters charge minimum for copywriters, like $35 an hour. I'm like, lovely. I like making $35 an hour. So read a book next day. I put my, put my little sign in the sand that says I'm a copywriter. I charge $35 an hour. And the thing is, if you're confident enough, no one asks questions. They're like, because because what they'll do is they'll Google how much the copywriters make and they'll see the same thing that I Googled and they'll say, hey, they make $35 an hour. Looks charging. What's appropriate? And I go, yes. Do you have any experience? Yes. Because <laughs> like copywriting is a simple thing. It's like, have yeah. you ever written anything before? Sure. Yes. Have you done it professionally? Yes. Do you have any current clients? No. <laughs> Do you count as one? Yes, yes, exactly. Or you can always play the uh, have your family have your family pay you for a job or two, and then sure. and then answers now yes. So sure. anyway, so I, I did that in the copywriting, and then about two or three years in college, one of my buddies he made me he he basically made me realize he's like, what if I told you you can make five times the money at half the time, and I'm like. Awesome. I love making five times the money for half the, half the effort. Why would anyone not want to do that? So I ended up getting my real estate license. And then with my real estate license, um, I, did, I, I did not follow the normal trajectory. You're supposed to do retail property. You're supposed to show houses with pools and, and nice furniture and appliances and stuff. The first house I ever bought was a crackhead condo for $40,000 cash. I even got a tour from the crackhead. It was beautiful. Like this crackhead's like, hey man, what's going on? I'm like, oh dude, this is going to be good. So the first house I ever bought, $40,000 crackhead condo with a tour from a crackhead. I mean, they got everything. They had the stolen radios in the corner. They had the Rottweiler in the yard. It was really nice. And then I found out, did you know what a crackhead's worst enemy is? I have no idea. It's stairs. Okay. Why is it? why, Why is it stairs? Because when you're rolling on drugs, it's hard to get up, uh, get up and down stairs. So they put the beds in the living room on the first floor and it, no one goes upstairs. 
So they'll do their drugs and they'll fall on their bed and fall and pass out in the living room and they won't go upstairs. It's actually quite fascinating, really. Right. I didn't know that. So you have an untouched my... upstairs then? Yes, yes. Literally, you. I went upstairs. I was getting this, like I said, I was getting this show of this crackhead. The upstairs completely void. I mean, there was trash everywhere, but it wasn't like, but nothing. Just, just, it was just paper all over the floor. Like, but other than that, the entire upstairs is completely vacant. I'm like, wow. But ironically enough, um, a normal human being would be like, oh my God, Luke, that is the scariest thing ever. I'm sitting here going like, oh wow, look how nice these floors are. <laughs> actually, they had a really nice floor. It was probably really? a, a $10,000 floor. And it's funny, the floor was probably cost as much as I was buying the, the whole condo cash. And that's the thing though, like that, I just have that mindset where I have no emotional attachment to any of this stuff. And I'm just like, oh wow, that's a really nice floor. I would just buy this place for the floor. So anyway, I bought the sure. place for forty thousand. Where is this at? Where, where, where is this at? Uh, this is the townies. Uh, okay. In South Phoenix, Forty uh, Eighth okay. Street and Broadway. Actually, I didn't even know they were called the townies. That's what the police the, the police have a nickname for it. And I was BSing with the police once. They're like, "You want property in the townies?" I'm like, "Is that what you guys call it?" How <laughs> lovely. Yes, I actually own like six in there, and I make I do quite well. But, but, but like I said, it comes with its own little nuances, but yeah, very first property I ever bought was that, uh, bought it for 40, put five grand in and, uh, I rented it for $900. Right. So I owned it cash. My HOA, my HOA was only like 150 bucks. And then I had to pay for, actually I didn't have to pay any utilities. So 900 minus 150, I was making 750 a month, $750 profit wow. a month. And, um, yeah. And like I said, I literally 750 and then you always take two months off for, um, two months off for taxes, insurance and that kind of stuff. Sure. So 10, 10, 10 solid months of, of cash flow. So 10 times 750. So that's $7,500 a month. I just, or $7,500 a month or a year annual yeah. that I just make now forever. So and it's an HOA. So the HOA is responsible for all the outside. So it's very little maintenance wow. because the, the roof is covered by the HOA. The outside is covered by the HOA. You're, you only have to pay for walls in. And it turns out walls in on an HOA aren't that expensive. Like we're talking appliances. Sure. Like appliances. And the floors look great already. So you don't have to do those. Oh, dude, don't even get me started about the floor. You know, it's funny. I sold that place. I wish I never did, but I sold it for about 90,000. So I made like a $45,000 profit. Okay. Um, but that was like three or three or four years later. But then I used that money to buy another a, a two single family homes in a cash. And it was a, it was a, it was a package deal. I got two single family homes, but then those rent for like 4,000 a month. And my mortgage is only like 2000. So I went from cash flowing 750 to 2000 by wow. selling the one using the profit to buy the new thing. Yep. So then I, but then I was making two grand a month, but that's two times 10. So now I make $20,000 a month. And you know, it's funny how much those things rent for now, hmm. 5,000 together, 5,000. So now I make 3000 a month off of that. So 3000 times 10, so that's $30,000. I make off of just that, those two single family homes that I bought like three or four years ago. So real quick, let's work back then. How yes. long ago, how long did you buy the first one with the nice floors? Oh, geez. All the, the, the broken, the broken, the stolen. The one that started you out at seven. seven oh, that was 2014, 2015. Okay, so 2014. And how much did you have to put down? I did. I bought the cash. thing cash. It, cash. This is a whole different market. Like okay. I bought it. I bought it from a wholesaler cash, like secret handshake type stuff. Yeah. Okay. So was wholesaler like, cash. And now you said 2014. Huh? You said 2014. Yeah. Like 2014. And then okay. three years so later, only, I sold it. Eight years later, though, you're currently at what, 30 a month or 30 a year? For After rolling one? the property, the one property into the next, into the oh, next, into the next. So, oh, no, no, no. I, I, I started buying other stuff, down, down payments. So that was just my first one. Then I started okay. house hacking and I started using my, because I, I was in the army, I used my VA loan to buy mm -hmm. a four unit apartment building. Okay. And then I lived in one of my, my four unit apartment buildings. It's no, there's nothing more entertaining. Well, actually, technically, that's not true. Um, I bought another house cash. I bought another house cash in, in Phoenix. Um, and then that one, I was a live-in landlord for that one. So I was actually lived in one of the units and I rented the other four bedrooms to my, uh, to my buddies. 
so there I was, so I was a living landlord for several years. I was a living landlord for seven years. Um, so I bought that condo cash. I had another house I lived in, which I also bought cash. Um, and that one was only 85,000, but then I rented all my, all my, all my roommates to my roommates. So I was pocketing about 1500 bucks because I was charging $500 per room. Sure. So 500 times three is 1500. So that was 1500 from the being a living landlord. And then I was making 750 from my crackhead condo. And then after I lived in there for a few years, that's when I, I, I lived there for a year or two. And this is when I was doing real estate. So I was making really good money. And then I turned around, I would turn around and then I would, um, uh, I'd move out of that and I'd move into my fourplex and I would house hack. And then I'd buy that with my primary home loan. And then I bought another one with a primary home loan because nice. you only legally have to live in these units for a year or two before you can actually get them back. And then you can rebuy with another primary home. So then I, and I was, so I was buying, and that's pretty much how my life went is, uh, and then now because most of my clients are now multimillionaires, um, I've been, I became a financial planner. Cause for example, one of my buddies, he's a security guard, right? He makes no money, mm-hmm. but he house hacked, bought a fourplex, lived in it for two years. We were able to cash out, refinance it. He pulled 170 grand out of his fourplex. Okay. And you know what we did? We bought another fourplex in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So this guy, security guard, security guard, owns eight units, eight units in two different states, one in Arizona. But then we had to move it because Arizona is too expensive now. So we moved to Arizona or Albuquerque. Mm -hmm. The same problem. Albuquerque is now too expensive. So we've moved to a third or fourth state. So we just keep moving as the money. And this goes back to the formulas and the, the, the way I do my business is once, once the numbers don't make sense, they don't make sense. And too many investors, they try to make them make sense. And I'm like, you can't make them make sense. They're numbers. <laughs> don't do okay. That. So you kind of took one and rolled it into the next and rolled it into the next and rolled it into more and just kind of grew from there. And this all started, that was only 2014. It wasn't yeah, that yeah. long ago. So yeah. I mean, it takes a few years, but I mean, to get to where you're at now, that's pretty impressive. Um, so oh, you're yeah. a financial planner then. You know, you're, you're, you're working with, with customers. Let's, let, let's say I'm a guy that wants to, that is, um, you know, I, I want to meet a financial planner. I need, I need your help. You know, what can somebody expect when they're meeting with you? Oh, so usually the first conversation is if you want to grow any sort of wealth, you're going to have to make some hard choices. Cause I mean, I, I had, well, cause when I was doing it, I had to be a live-in landlord. So I had to rent to my friends Mm-hmm. And then I also had to deal with crackheads like um, and like because when I was a real estate agent, I ran a property management company for seven years. So you're going to deal with some hard tenants. And if you don't want to deal with tenants, there's always there's easy ways around. There's always a way if there's something you don't want to do in this business, there's always a way around it. But you got to pay. That's the rule. I, I personally don't care. I'll, I'll deal with I'll deal with the I'll deal with the worst people on the earth all day, every day. I'm so used to it. It doesn't even matter. But if you don't want to deal, like if you're not good at debt collecting, then then obviously get a property manager. I could call up a guy and just be like, hey, man, I want my money or I'm going to put you in the street. And then he, you know, somehow magically they find my money. I don't quite get it. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how, but, you know, they beg, borrow, steal. I don't know. The three B's beg, borrow. Oh, no. I guess stealing is not borrowing. (laughs) Anyway. But it goes back. Yeah. Sorry. So so that's anyway. So when I meet somebody, it's more lines of you have to talk about hard truths. You have to figure out an actual financial plan and you have to figure out this. What do you want from life and what are you willing to sacrifice? Because too many people, they just think, oh, I just get rich quick. I just make money like, no, buying that buying that crackhead condo was not easy. Doing the rehab wasn't easy. Doing any of these things was not easy, especially when you first started. Because I had to do all the work myself. I, I had to fix up the crackhead condo. I had to go in there. I had to fix it all up myself. Obviously, it was a lipstick. So I didn't have to do yeah. much. I had to paint it. Um, but now I make enough money because I don't want to do that anymore. I have enough money now that I, I actually have the contractors do it. And you see what I'm saying? Anything yeah. you don't want to do, there's always ways around it. He's got he's got to pay the money for it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. usually when meeting me, meeting with me, I, I I think you guys can figure out. I'm not exactly the uh, most subtle of people. 
I'm pretty blunt. So at first with meeting me, it's like, what are your financial goals? How do you, how do you want to accomplish them? And are you willing to make the sacrifice to accomplish those goals? If you're not willing to do all these things, I don't want to work with you. I don't, I don't, I don't work with people who, I don't work with fair weather fans. You know, it's either, it's either, you, either you're going to do it or I don't even want to work with you because yeah. it's like those personal trainer types, you know, I'm going to work out and lose weight. And then you show up twice and then they blame you for not helping them lose weight. It's like you went to my, you went, well, how many times did you go? How many times did you go to the, 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 the yeah. personal trainer twice? Well, of course you didn't lose weight. You, you, you didn't even give them the opportunity to actually help you lose weight. And then you blame him for it. Like I don't yeah. work with people like that, but which is completely refreshing for a lot of people because a lot of financial planners, they're nice. I'm not, I, I, I don't sell myself as a nice person. I don't tell people. I help. My, probably my worst trait is my customer service, but it's not my job. For, my job isn't customer service. My job is: Do you want to get? Do you want to grow wealth? Well, congratulations. I'm I'm the I'm the wealth maker. However, these are the things you have to do to create that wealth. So that's probably one of the more refreshing, but it's also polarizing because a lot of people don't want to hear the truth. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think a lot of people too. A lot of when I hear financial planner, I think okay, this guy's just going to get me on insurance or stocks, and then he's going to walk away. This doesn't sound like what you're doing. It's kind of way more alternative uh, options. Like well, that's real estate. why, that's I, why, I've never that's why when you're saying about the cryptocurrency and stuff, it, it is alternatives. Like, this is how real people make yeah. money. You know what I mean? So. Sure. Sure. The, the majority of financial planners that I, that I hear about and I talk to, though, it's like, um, you know, here's your, here's your plan uh, of stocks bonds, mutual funds type things that we're going to do. Uh, there's never a mention of real estate. There's no crypto. They kind of laugh at all that stuff, actually. You know, sometimes there's um, uh, there's there's insurance, you know, uh, whole whole life insurance. Oh, stuff. yeah. Oh, um, yeah. No, that stuff. That stuff is so much fun. When I was getting my CFP, it was really funny. I, I was getting my CFP. And one of my favorite things about the CFP was it's like, it's like, all the classes are geared towards stock, stocks, insurance, stocks, insurance, stocks, mm -hmm. equities, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then, and like one of like the side tables, they're like real estate. It makes a lot of money, but it sucks. Moving on. Voink. And yeah. I was like, I'm like, that's funny. Cause that little thing they kind of mulled over. That's literally all I do for a living. Yeah. And, and that's what the majority of people do to make a lots of money. Real estate, uh, alternative methods. Nowadays it's crypto as well, but there's a lot of different things. Stocks is, I don't know, it's it's okay. It's more slow and, and long-term, but it's, I don't know a ton of rich guys that really got, that really took off in the stock market. Yeah, well, here's how it works. So my stocks, so I actually think fine art is a better investment than stocks, mm -hmm. right? So stocks, they don't cash flow. So they're worthless. They appreciate. And, you, and if you don't, if you don't know me, my appreciation is a pipe dream, right? You should never purchase anything for appreciation. That's how you become the 2008 financial crisis. I buy a bunch of houses and I hope they're worth double next year because that's what happened last year. And I go, that's dumb. Like, and I, in and, and the theory I call it, it's called the greater fool theory, right? I will only purchase things that I think there's someone more stupid than I am to purchase it off of me. That is my only rule. Like, so whenever I look at an investment, I go, Dude, am I the guy with the hot potato? Am I the idiot? Am I the greatest fool? I don't the know. Last buyer. I don't want to be the last buyer. <laughs> I want to be the guy right before that guy. I'll go all the way up to that guy, but I don't want to be the last one because then that's the guy with the hot potato and he loses everything. So, so I have the entire philosophy in stocks. They're good investments, but they're only good if you have nothing else to do with your money. It's yeah. I want my money to sit somewhere and appreciate. Here you go, stocks. But if you're like a guy like me, anytime I have money, I go buy another apartment building or I go yeah. buy something out. You know, I, I always go buy a new business, a new something else. Cause it's like, cause like, like I said, fine art's a better investment. Cause I could even rent my fine art to, to like, I could literally put my, put my fine art and just say, Hey, look at it. Give me, give me $20. Fine art <laughs> actually has, has the ability to create cash flow. Stocks do not create cash flow. Yeah. And that's, of course, you're getting into REITs. But REITs are like their own little weird world. And um, yeah. like, like, but those, if I did have to create, if I did have to purchase stocks, which I do, I would go into REITs, but that's because REITs cash flow, but they're specifically a vehicle designed to cash flow. But still, you don't get the benefits of like real estate. You don't get the tax sure. benefits. You don't get all like the, like the, 
um, the fringe benefits that people don't see every day. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And your ROI is so much better at real in real estate. Um, your, your average guy is not going to be putting in, you know, 10, 20 million dollars into the stock market so he can get great dividends. He's putting in his, you know, 10% at best of his paycheck. And it's not very much money. He's making very little. Now, if he rolled that same amount of money into, like you said, a quadplex or, or, or a duplex or something like that, um, it would uh, it would expand uh, considerably faster than if he was in the stock market. Um, uh, real quick, so, you, so you're in a ton of different things. We got to go past real estate now. Yeah, what about what about crypto? Where are you at in crypto? Oh, crypto, crypto. I have a I have a love hate relationship. Here's yeah, here's here's, here's, what, here's what I'm going to tell you about crypto. Crypto is a proto, right? Is a proto stock market. So if you actually do the research, the Security Exchange Commission didn't show up to like the 40s and 50s, and all the shit that crypto does today. Um, the stock market did previous the Security Exchange Commission. All okay. the same pump and dump schemes, all the same giant, like the whales could just move these, move entire markets. The entire thing was, a, was like, was a setup and a scam. Um, so crypto is the exact same thing. It's a proto stock market. If you want to learn a bunch of strategies on how to make money in a proto stock market, go do your research, go look at what the stock, whatever, go do what all the, all the scam artists and all the thieves and all the guys did free yeah. security exchange commission. And that's how you make your money. The, the thing is because crypto is unregulated, all that stuff's still legal. All that stuff is completely illegal in the stock market, completely legal. So for example, I tell people all the time, it's like, uh, I call it the, the rocket crypto strategy. You just okay. buy shit coins, right? You buy shit coins, because if yeah. I spent $10,000 buying shit coins and those shit coins become the new Dogecoin, boom, <laughs> done. Congratulations, Luke. You just made a billion dollars. Why? Because, because you bought a shit coin that became the new Dogecoin and congratulations. Sell it all. Go buy a yacht. Enjoy your life, right? Yeah. So I call that my, that's my rocket crypto. But okay. personally, I, I see no value in crypto. I don't, I'm not a crypto head. I don't okay. see any value. I see it as purely as a means to make money on the very same systems that people did in the olden days in that proto stock market world, right? Because yeah. it's illegal to do a pump and dump scheme. It's not illegal to make money off of someone else's pump and dump scheme just because you know it's a pump and dump scheme. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, just yeah, yeah that I'm makes like, sense. Yeah, so then I'm like, hey, that's a scam. However, I, I can't prove it's a scam and I can't prove it's not a scam. However. <laughs> I think that that value of that thing's going to skyrocket, and I'm just yeah. going to try to get off that horse before it explodes. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, absolutely. So, so where do you see the future of crypto then? Like, where where do you see it going? I think it'll become a niche thing. I okay. think it's going to become like, uh, like kind of like the NFTs. What it's going to okay. be yeah, is, yeah. um, so Louis Vuitton. So Louis Vuitton will come out with 100 crypto coins, right? Mm -hmm. And they're going to be like, hey, rich people. You guys can like it's gonna be more like fine art, you know what I mean? Okay. Where yeah, it's yeah. being exchanged. So really, really good cryptos are there. It's gonna be just a vehicle for the Uber rich who they're gonna use it as a means, very similar to fine art, okay. to just exchange. Cause because if Louis Vuitton comes up with a hundred crypto coins, guess what? All the billionaires are gonna buy that up because sure. they're like, oh wow, it's 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 a value because then it's an inflation hedge. Because they're going to see it purely as like, because like if you don't know the fine art industry, that's what the fine art, our fine art industry is. It's an inflation hedge is I have a billion dollars, but I don't want to keep it in cash because of inflation. Yeah. However, if I buy fine art, fine art is not regulated by the government. Fine art's not regulated by anything. It's, it's regulated by ultra rich people sure. who use it as a means to transfer wealth from each other and, 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 avoid, appreci and avoid appreciation. However, crypto is I feel is going to end in the same way. I don't see hmm. cryptocurrency replacing the US dollar. I don't see any of that happening. I see okay. 100% is becoming some sort of niche system or, or well, it's still a niche system. I also seeing it like very cult-like, right? Yeah. So if I have a bunch of crazies, right? And I want to completely separate them from the US government, I would use crypto as that means because hmm. I would exchange, hey, I'll take your US dollars. Here's my, here's this semi-useless crypto, which you can now purchase 
my goods from the cult store. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like it's going to become a niche specifically for like cult like ecosystems. Okay. Yeah. Like, or, or another good one is it goes back to like the video gamers, right? So they'll have in game currency, which will just yes. use as crypto, yeah. which is also a very niche thing. Like, I don't see it becoming the next currency. I see it more of a this is some way to make money is there some way to separate us from the u.s governments like being controlled by all the u.s governments yeah but really you're not going to get the entire civilization into that sphere it's going to be very select groups are going to convince uh their their little groups to move into that sphere and that's pretty much what the crypto it's it's just a and plus it's just a really good excuse to be like oh you don't know what mammoth coin is only <laughs> only mammoth people know what it's that what that's like you know what i mean like, oh, I, I only yeah. see it as becoming a very niche product where you can because once it gets too big i don't think it'll work anymore you know what i mean yeah so yeah Hold on. So, so that's just how my view of crypto is it's going to end up becoming some sort of niche thing for either the ultra rich or very select groups that can that can uh take take it over but other than that i just don't see the value because if I mean I can't buy pizza with Dogecoin because the price fluctuates so much, you know what I mean? It's like my my ten Dogecoin could buy a pizza tomorrow, but now it's fifteen Dogecoin. But now technically I'm paying fifteen dollars for the same pizza, so I can't even buy pizza with Dogecoin because it doesn't like because the the the, the because the, the like every time I go to the pizza shop, like they would have to have a stock ticker next oh, to the really? pizza. Like they'd have to have a stock ticker next to the pizza to let me know how much Bitcoin oh I can purchase this pizza with. It's gonna be like, okay, okay, we gotta we gotta buy this pizza on a down on a downside, guys. All right, okay, it dropped by twenty percent. Good, twenty percent off on my pizza. Bye, <laughs> bye, bye. bye. You know? Which 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 pizza places are doing uh, Bitcoin? No, well, I think a lot of them are, but like they don't. Oh, okay. like, I just in my head, they should have a stock ticker next to it. Yeah, it would make sense. What that it is though, sense. right? It's it's anytime I swipe my because I have a, I have a Coinbase card and okay. the only reason I have a Coinbase is because they're being really lucrative with giving away the four percent free you know whatever cryptocurrency so I use the Coinbase but I'm just like using it because I'm using it because it, it's I, I use it because it's like oh swipe done swipe done it's like but reality it's like your Bitcoin is fluctuating every day so. Like, can, can you tell me right now, PJ, if if I was to buy a pizza, how much does a pizza cost in Bitcoin right now? Um, so Bitcoin, I have no idea what it is right now. I'm guessing exactly thousand dollars or something. Yeah, I, I have no idea. And if you're right, if there wasn't a ticker there, it would change every second. Exactly. So it's like it's like so right now, the pizzas were ten dollars. Yeah. Okay. With Bitcoin. You and me have to get the Excel sheet out. They're going to sit there and be like, all right, all right, PJ, are you ready for this? All right. Maybe all that's right, the I business, just... though. Maybe huh? that's the business. You develop a software system that is constantly tracking these, these coins so that a, 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 a business like, I don't know, Pizza Place or something like that can just pop into their, their system and just be ready to go. That's no, the business. Need, yeah, right. Or sell, I'll just sell, sell the stock ticker lights that's like, that's attached to the Bitcoin and be like, yeah. Like your 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 pizza is worth exactly 0.001%.22% Bitcoin right now. Oh dude, it's an up. I can get two pizzas today. <laughs> Boom. And I'll be like the JC Pennies of Bitcoin, where it's like, it's just like I overvalue every everything because I just assume I because they're a couponer, like right? Like so anyway. <laughs> All right, just, let's real quick. Why do you yeah. own drag a dragon fruit orchard? Oh, I basically won it in a card game. Um, okay. Well, one of my business partners, uh, he stole money. And then in exchange for me not ruining him, he gave me his farm in Costa Rica. And um, well, it wasn't even a farm when I bought it. It was, uh, it was like 12 houses. It was 12 houses and 80 acres. So what I ended up doing was I converted it to a dragon orchard because when I was pounding around there, we saw dragon fruit just growing, right? Mm-hmm. Just growing in the fields. And it's like, and then I started doing the research. It turns out dragon fruit is actually a very, very exotic fruit. Um, Sounds like they it. sell for $6. It's like $6 a fruit. Like not a pound, a fruit. $6 for one fruit. And it turns out the reason they're so expensive is because they only grow in certain climates. 
So it's not something you can easily mass produce. Okay. So then I start doing the research and it's like, well, it naturally grows here. It turns out because my, my, my farm's right on the volcano. So we have like the perfect climate just for dragon fruit. But originally the land was just, it was just, it was just empty farmland with trees and I had to clear it all out and I had to put it all in. But I mean, that's, that's what I tell people. It's like a normal person would be like, oh my God, money got, you got, your money got stolen. And I'm like, oh man, ah, oh, he stole money. Oh man, he doesn't know who I am, does he? So I got like an angry <laughs> attorney. I took his land. And then a normal person would be like, what do I do with this land? Nothing. And I'm like, oh, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to start. And then I started uh, finding, uh, cause right now I have like 10 employees and I have a, and like, I have a manager down there and I pretty much, it runs itself. Cause yeah. I mean, cause it's an orchard. Orchards are very low maintenance because they, they just, you know, just water them, keep them alive and then they grow. And then you harvest them once or twice a year. I mean, boom, done. And they just pay a guy to watch it. Make sure the locals don't steal it. That's amazing. That's yeah, crazy. But, That's the first time I've ever heard anybody say they own a dragon fruit orchard. And I've talked to a lot of people. Well, it's funny though. It's funny that you mentioned it. My whole thing is like, it's such a weird thing that I'm going to start doing dragon tours. And you know, it's funny. Dragon, dragon tours. tours. That's dragon fruit good. tours. Like, see, this goes back to cash flow again, right? Yeah. So, so stocks, which do nothing but appreciate, supposedly. And I'm over here going like, oh, I have this dragon fruit orchard, which produces income by harvest. But also, they're actually they're a cactus. Actually, they're a cactus that okay. grow like a vine on other trees, and and they and they hang down. And the dragon fruit is what is the is the result of that. And it's a super weird, cool plant. But they also flower, and the flowers are beautiful. And I'm sitting here going, like, we could do tours. We could yeah, it's twenty dollars a pot. Oh, and it's just like now my dragon fruit orchard makes triple the income just because of you know it's a weird exotic thing but the thing is is i didn't i didn't need to know like i didn't need to know anything about dragon fruit i just have to have the business knowledge you have to have this base sure. business knowledge that you can convert into any business absolutely because because it's all the same stuff it's always employees manager payment systems product that's it once you find those four things you don't need anything else and it just it just, they just run themselves everyone's like well, well, I need to be passionate about the, about the business. No, no, you don't. No. It's a way to make money. It's cash flow. It's the moment you can wash your hands of it, wash your hands of it, never speak of it again. And they're like, <laughs> well, I want to I make it big. And no, no, take your money and just leave it alone. Unless you can franchise it, but franchising is a whole different monster. Like, yeah, this just, just, just make your money. And then, because I'm actually going to start getting into franchises. Okay, it's funny that you say that. I was just about to ask you about that. Uh, what do you know about, about franchises? Have you done that? You've done like just about everything else. So have you done, no, done no, no, I've never done a franchise, I'm, I, I, but I make, so franchises are more for, uh, so I view business as like an evolution. So you shouldn't, so you should start with small houses, make your money. You should start small, make your money. Cause you got to learn the business, right? Sure. You can't just. A lot of people, they're like, I'm just going to open six franchises and I'm just going to get rich. And it's just like, ah, that's a, cause, cause running franchises takes the skill sets. Like it takes a businessman skill set. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is a lot of people don't realize business skills is like, it's almost like building muscle. It's like being good at a sport. You're not good at it until you have, you have to work on it. And eventually you should be able to do franchises, but I'm getting into franchises because I have enough money. So I have enough high enough net worth that I can even buy into franchises. Okay. So a lot of the franchises, they're like, well, if you don't have enough money uh, yeah, it's like, it's like the government's version of this. It's called an accredited investor. Mm-hmm. If you're not, if you, if you're not accredited by the U S government, which means you have a certain income, a certain net worth, they won't consider you an accredited investor and you actually can't purchase into certain investments unless you're an accredited investor. Sure. So, so, so franchises are a great way to make money. The problem is, is if you don't have the proper skill set, they can be very risky, right? However, they're not like, that's why I like the whole real estate thing. Cause you can learn all those skills and the franchises are, are, are better than small business because you get a lot of the help and training that you need. Mm-hmm. However, you do need that base set of business skills to make it successful. Otherwise, you're focusing on all the wrong things because too many people 
they, they, they make it a live-in business. And you don't want to live in these things ever. It's the whole reason I won't buy restaurants in general. Like restaurants, um, unless you're like a subway or a chain, it's nearly impossible to make money off a restaurant and you have to live in them. Yeah. And they become a family-run live-in business because the margins are so thin. And, and people don't realize if, there's, if you don't have enough margin, you can't hire a manager to replace you. And that's why you got to think of all your businesses. You have to think of that exit strategy. How do I escape this business and I don't let it take over my life? So many people, they get in entrepreneurship and business making and they go and they're like, I'm going to make this the best of the best of the best. And I'm over here. I'm always exit strategy. At what point can I let this thing leave? What, what point can I just, okay, it's over there. I have all the systems set up. I get my money every month. They deposit it in my account. Yeah. I don't have to stare at it. I don't have to. I don't have to manage nobody. Life is fantastic. That's what a lot of people need to get their heads wrapped around is that exit strategy. Cause they're always like, they'll, they're like bulls in China shops, just shooting to the moon. And I'm over here going like, nope, 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 nope. See, the thing is, is when you fail, I'm the guy who buys your business off you and then flips it because I, I have the systems in place. Cause I've, I've fixed and flipped businesses before. Cause all you, cause you get all these people, they drop, they nosedive these things and then you get them for cheap. Because businesses have value too. You can buy and sell businesses. You can fix and flip businesses all the time. That's another weird niche that I've done before is the fixing and flipping of niches. Um, but anyway, so you got to get, so you got to, so when you get into these things, you can't go into a franchise thinking you're only going to open one. You're going to, you have to have the idea. I'm going to have 10. But the question is how do you manage 10 franchises? And that's, that's sure. the mindset that you have to get in is how, at what point to, can I wash my hands of these things? So all right. Wow. <laughs> All right. Franchises. What is the fire movement? Oh, it is. Uh, it's what I've accomplished. It is okay. uh, financial independence, retire early. I always add my little nuance to it. I say achieve fire and win W I N. And it means whenever I need, right? So whenever I need or whenever I want. So okay. you retire early whenever you want. So I could retire tomorrow. I make enough money now. I don't actually have to work. I, I, I could literally like, and the best part about being in the fire movement is I'm helping other people achieve fire. So, so me as a personal achiever of fire, I love fire because I can literally watch my two-year-old grow. Like I don't have, like I can take naps during the day. I can take a nap with my two-year-old and like, you know, we're just sitting there all passed out together yeah. and it'll be one o'clock in the afternoon. And I can do that because I created all this residual wealth that just comes, that gives, I get my paychecks, I get my mailbox money sure. and I can live my life. And that is the key of the fire movement is I want to watch my kids grow. I, 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 I know what it was like not having a father because my dad would work 85 hours a week as a registered nurse. I mean, I never saw my father. Like I literally, I literally, he would work, he worked 85 hours to 90 hours a week. Wow. For 30 years, never saw him like, like, and if I did see him, you always were like, oh man, don't wake dad up. Yeah. Don't wake him up. For the love yep. of God, everyone be quiet. Dad's been working a 12 hour shift. If we wake <laughs> him up, he's going to beat us. Well, he wouldn't beat us. Our, my mom would beat me. That was, that was, that was the, the trade off. Dad was the intimidation. My mom was the beater. And yeah. uh, I remember when she used to beat me with a wooden spoon. Oh, Dude, I think we grew man. up in the same house. Well, it's funny. Like, I always try to tell people they always feel sorry for me. I'm like, oh no, we were bastard children. Like, so I have two other brothers. So there's three son, Thomas sons, and we're all we're all hyper aggressive, uh -huh. like me. So like we would just wail on each other. And I lived in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So everyone else is like, what did you guys have? Play pens? Dude, we had a barn with power tools. Okay. <laughs> you know, you know what my first toy was? It was a shovel. And I had to shovel. I had to shovel out that septic tank because we need to we need to get a new septic tank. Yeah. So I'm sitting here going like, yeah, yeah, this is what we do. This is this is this is this is what real life is. And it's funny. I come from I come from farm people, and what people don't realize about farm people is the reason they have so many kids is because it's free labor all the way until you're 18. Maybe it's 16 now. I I can't remember. Oh but anyway, I was one of those farm kids where. Um, I was one of those farm kids where it's like free labor. I'm amazed my name isn't free labor, 
free labor three, right? My first brother should be free labor one. My second brother should be free labor two and I should be free labor three. But, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's, uh, but everyone feels sorry for me, but I'm like, Oh no, as long as, but I only got beat because like my, my mom would explain it very specifically. You're being beat because you suck. And these are the reasons you suck. And I'm like, yeah, now that I'm older, I'm like, oh yeah, no, I, I, I totally had that coming. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like obviously trying to kill my brother with a sledgehammer is not proper etiquette in real life. Okay. Moral of the story. Don't try to kill other people with power tools. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. That's usually not a good thing to do. Yeah, go forth into the, into the, into civilization, Luke, you've been trained <laughs> properly. Uh, anyway. All right. Lucas, 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 how can people get hold of you? Oh, you can check me out on my website, www.rhmreal. That's real like real estate.com. So www.rhmreal.com. Um, you can also uh, shoot me an email at lucas at rhmreal.com. And then uh, my, my, uh, and my uh, website has all my contact information for phone numbers, uh, Facebook, all that good stuff. Personally, I like it when people uh, give me a call and we can just BS about whatever financial, whatever. Because right now it's pretty fun because the interest rates are starting to go up. So now the, the real estate market is starting to take a downshift, which is pretty awesome. Sure. But um, yeah, sure. that's how you get a hold of me. And pretty much you'll want to get a hold of me if you want to get into any sort of alternative financial investments. Absolutely. And I'm the one who can tell you how to plan for that. Because like I said, I can help you with stocks and all that stuff. If you want to have your money sitting around appreciating supposedly um um then i can help you with that but personally my my biggest thing is those alternative investments which those alternative investments which they kind of paper over because it takes a very very specific skill set to get the small business like you have to be a small business owner to be able to financial plan for small business sure you have to be a landlord to be able to financial plan i love hearing that a landlord you can't because well every every business I've ever done I did it first and then I sold it to my investors. Lucas, you and don't realize how, how how not normal that is these days. Where I'll find coaches about that want to teach me about real estate that have never bought or sold a house. So oh yeah, the, it's the very interesting that you you said that. Oh, that's funny. Actually, one of my businesses actually um um because you know it's funny after I built the dragon fruit orchard right. But now I have all the attorneys and I have all the builders down in Costa Rica. So now me and my brother, we're going to start buying up uh, lots near the beach and we're going to start building Airbnbs Sweet. next to the next to the beach down in uh, Costa Rica. Because on the northern side of Costa Rica, it's very under, underdeveloped because and big money's starting to get there, but it's not there yet. So the yeah. prices are actually still adequate like like it's not like arizona or albuquerque like there's not these giant hedge funds and it's fun is you're always trying to be one step ahead of the giant hedge funds because once the hedge funds get in the game the, the margins are gone because the yeah, hedge funds absolutely. are because the hedge funds only care about making three percent return the problem is is people like us we yeah. sit there and go three percent return not doing anything for three percent what uh, how's a man supposed to eat on three <laughs> percent? But but they're but they're 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 investing a trillion dollars. So three percent on a trillion dollars is like three billion dollars. So they're like, sure. oh wow, this is amazing. So it's it's a, I have this whole philosophy on big money mentality because big money big money does not think like you and me, right? Yeah, they have their own philosophies. They sit there because they're trying to place money that's so large. It makes it actually becomes hard to place because it's too much money. Yeah. Like they, they get to a point where they're like, like you you can have a billion dollars. You sit there and go like, what the hell do we invest a billion dollars in? And, and, you, and, and everyone just goes nothing. There's nowhere you could put a billion dollars. And that's where you get all these um these unicorn companies, which they're all worthless. Like Uber, Lyft, worthless. They're never gonna make a profit. They're just subsidized by these billionaires trying to all these hedge funds just trying to. And like, a, like they're all pump and dumping these things and it's terrible. Like they, they will never, there's no, ah. Wow. Yeah. If you have a billion dollars, it's, it's a 3% is a pretty great return. That's, that's not bad at all. All right, go ahead. 
Hey, I'm back. I got auto edited out by my computer. It did like it, it, I think it's jealous of me and PJ. It's like, how dare you hang out with him longer than me? I'm like, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> All right, Lucas. Right. Here's the big question that we finish every podcast with. Yes. If you could buy land anywhere in the entire world, where would it be and why? North Korea. Okay. Because I bet you, I, I like, I bet you it's nearly impossible to do. Like, I bet you it's not possible. And I can talk mad shit at parties. Like, oh yeah, I own a, I own, I own two acres that I have no access to in yeah. North Korea. So, because, because I do like, so I have this philosophy of like, I, I make really dumb goals, which then I accomplish. And then I sit there and go, dude, you bought two acres in North Korea. I'm like, dude, you know how much money I had to spend to own? Like, and there's nothing I can do with it. It's completely worthless. But I can now talk shit at cocktail parties about my about my North Korea two acres. I can't physically go. I'm not even, I probably, I, I, I'm not even sure if I own it. Because you know how many shell yeah. corporations I had to create? Like, I, like, I'm North Korean at some point. Like, I had to go, <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, I'd probably be. Because it just sounds like an impossible challenge. Yeah. And I bet you I can make it happen, but it would just be ugly, arduous. And by the end, it's like, it's like that, like, dude, that's the dumbest thing ever. But it's like, the point is, that's the point, you know, <laughs> the meaninglessness of owning that would just be like, oh yeah, what, what do you got? It's like, well, I'm the leader of X, Y, and Z. I'm like, yeah, but you don't have uh, two acres in North Korea <laughs> no, <laughs> And you're pretty much you're pretty much guaranteed that it hasn't been developed on at least successfully. Oh yeah, for all I know, for all I know, North Korea could have a coup of some sort. Next thing I know, my two acres is now worth a trillion dollars. Yeah, who knows? Oh, Do they even... have ski resorts up there? You could probably buy something in there, a ski resort. Man, I know that's what I'm saying though. It's like it's so underdeveloped. It's yeah. like it's like it's like it's like Untouched proto. Land. It's like proto real estate. You know? Absolutely. But, but that's the thing, though. It's like it's it's probably completely worthless, but you never know. It could be like Dogecoin. You know what I mean? Next yeah. thing you know, there's a regime change, and they, and they just let everybody in. And next thing you know, like remember remember when Luke bought that bought those two acres? Well, it's worth a billion dollars now yeah. for no particular reason. It's just like North Korea is the new place everyone wants to vacation now. And oh yeah, exactly or whatever. So who knows? Like I said, it's got to be something. Like I said. That would be my goal because my life, my life is, has so many strange turns and twists and everything like hell. There's this one guy who made fun of me. He's like, dude, you're like that guy who would own 10 sex shops. And I'm like, well, what did I buy him for? He's just like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I'm like, I'm just saying like sex shops have value too. Like, did I get it at a discount? What kind of discount did I get at? What's the income? Oh man, that's beautiful. I didn't know those made that much money. And then, uh, everyone else is just like, I can't believe you own those. I'm like, oh, let me get the spreadsheets. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. You're going to own one by the time I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you want to buy one? <laughs> like, so that's right. just my, that's just the way I, that's just the way I, I do my business is sure. everything, everything has value. You have to try it yourself first before you turn around and give it to investors. Yes. And then, and then, like I said, there's so many weird oddball niches to make money out of yeah. that no one even thinks about. There's some niches you can't even advertise to other investors because they're so small. Mm-hmm. But if you get them in yourself, they're so lucrative. But yeah. the thing is, it's like, it's like there'll never be a unicorn company because it's just so small. You know what I mean? But that's the thing. You have to have that mindset to how do I convert this into an absentee owner business? And that's the, that's the mindset. Cause like, you think, am I going to own a dragon orchard? Am I going to own a thousand acres? No, no, I, I, I'm just going to own my one. And if it cash flows enough, well, maybe I'll own two. But it gets to a point where yeah. you find you, 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 there's, a, there's an employee and a management issue because you need a certain type of person to manage each one. So it becomes a struggle because that's what people don't understand. Creating absentee owner businesses is really, 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 really hard because you have to have the right people in, in place, but you also sure. pay them fairly well so they never leave because other because once they leave it's like it's like having a gaping bullet wound because it's like oh no i don't have anyone to i don't have anyone to make sure the dragon orchards are watered on time i could lose 100 grand in crap because i don't have the proper people doing the right things so it's like 
So that's why, uh, so anyway, so the whole thing, the whole, the whole idea is to get into an absentee owner mindset. Um, but yeah, dude, I'll let you go. I, if I ever come to own land in North Korea, I will want to come back on the podcast and I want to tell everyone how and be like this shell company bought yes. this shell company, which bought this shell company, which bought this shell company. And then I had to do this like back alley handshake with this North Korean guy who then got somehow got out of North Korea, but he still technically has the citizenship. And I was able to like use him as a means through my one shell company to own my tiny little acre lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's anyway. pretty awesome. Um, I know, but that's the thing though. It's just, it gets your mind running of how would that even work? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Then well, somebody with, with that mindset, you're going to be able to start any business. Um, that's, exactly. that's the mindset you need for business in general is just to be able to look at something and be like, how can I make money off of that? Or exactly. you know, how can I make that work? Uh, as opposed to that'll never work. I'll go, I'm going to go get a job. Oh yeah, exactly. And then you can work for, you know, the giant corporations who uh, don't pay very well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Lucas, yeah. anything else before you go? No, that is everything. Um, I'm actually, I'm glad you asked me that question about the land thing. I never really thought about it, but like, really, it's got to be something in North Korea. I, I feel like it's, I feel like that would be a tough one. Like yeah. That's a, that's a tough nut to crack. That's something. If I'll, you I'll pull it off, you've got to come back on here and tell us how you did it. We'll, we'll do a whole be, podcast just on how you bought the North Korean land. Oh, oh no. Here's the thing though. Here's the thing though. It's probably going to be something I do in my fifties. Cause okay. the worst thing about me is like when an idea gets to my head, it just gestates in there. And I just sit on it, and then twenty, and then fifteen years from now, I swear to God, I'm just gonna be like, "Ha, owning land in North Korea," and then I'm just gonna be like, "Do do 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 do." Next thing you know, I'm gonna be like, "Yes, I own one square inch." <laughs> it, I mean, it, technically, it's a cop out. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what can you do? Right on, man, Lucas. Thank you so much. You had so much to talk about, guys. If you have interest in. Um, if, if you want to learn about uh, alternative uh, investments, real estate, um, obviously all the crazy stuff this guy's done, um, he can help you out uh, as opposed to going to a, a financial planner and just learning about the stocks that anybody else can give you. Um, this guy's got a, a lot of cool information to give you. So um, give Luke's a call. Otherwise, guys, till next time on Land Life. <laughs>